Welcome to the weekly podcast, recorded live at Glory City Church, Brisbane. We hope you are blessed by this week's sermon. Praise God. Hey, I'm not going to preach long tonight. It's already 10 to 6, but um, I have a joke. I have a joke that's in line with what I'm about to say. So it's like double layered. Pastor Daniel, if you're watching, in line with what I'm about to preach about. Adds, you know. So, there were three boys, and they had a mum. Good so far? Awesome. These three boys had a mum, and they were a fairly wealthy family, and they all wanted to bless their mum. So the, the oldest son went, I know what will bless mum. I'm going to buy her a huge house. She needs a new home, so he goes and buys her a nice new house, and in she moves second son said, oh, man, I'm going to buy her a car. Because she's getting a little bit older, I'm going to buy her a driver for her car. I'm going to hire him, pay for him. I'm going to get her a Mercedes, and he, she can be driven around. So he went and bought her that. The last son was like, I want to be a bit different. And I know that she loves the Bible. And he found on the internet a parrot that if you can say the verse reference, any verse reference in the Bible, the parrot will say the verse back to you. He's like, she is going to love that. So he buys her this parrot. In she goes to her new home in the Mercedes with her parrot. And in she goes to her new home. Anyway, a couple of months later, all the boys get letters from mum. First one opens his letter and it says, son... I really, really love the house. I'm so grateful, but it's, it's way too big for me. It takes me hours to clean it. It's just me. Um, thanks anyway, but it's been a bit of a burden. Second son. Son, I, I love the car, and, and it's nice to have some air conditioning when I'm driving, but I found the driver quite rude and, and unrelatable, and uh, I feel a bit too fancy driving in a Mercedes, but it's, so, it's kind of you to think of me. Like, so they're both feeling, ah, oh, we didn't nail that at all. The third son opens his letter and it says, my son, I feel like you're the only one that truly understands me out of, the, out of all three boys and, and I just want to thank you for knowing my heart. The chicken was delicious. <laughs> what do you think? Praise God. I particularly like that. So there was a misunderstanding that led to a misuse of something, correct? The parrot wasn't supposed to be eaten. Could she have benefited a lot more if she didn't eat the parrot, do you think? Yes, but the way you perceive things is the way you treat them. The degree of understanding you do or don't have depends if you use things the way they're designed to be used. And as Christians, the way we perceive ourselves in terms of understanding, and the way we perceive God determines how we behave every day of our lives. So just in a, in a brief message tonight, I want to remind us of the power of pursuing understanding. If that's something you don't feel super pumped about, or that's like, oh yeah, understanding, then, then you need to tune in. Because understanding actually undergirds everything we do. When it comes to the prophetic, when it comes to believing in the person of the Holy Spirit and engaging him in in his presence and interacting with him as a person, the only reason we do that as a community and so highly value that is because we have a biblical understanding 
of who he is and who we are. And that he wants to be that to us. He wants to be with us. He wants to move among us. He wants to encounter us. So we don't just accidentally prioritize that. We have an understanding that is why we consistently pursue it. Does that make sense? The power of understanding is incredible, and it comes from the Bible. The, the anchor of revelation is from the Holy Spirit leading us into truth through the Word of God, through the Scriptures. And um, the Bible says that when He comes, He will lead us into all truth. Which means if we're being led by the Holy Spirit, then we're growing in understanding, wisdom, revelation. Does that make sense? I really believe that we're going to see, as people have prophesied, the marriage of the Spirit and the Word. One of the fastest ways I think we can contribute to this, this marriage is to stop separating them in our hearts as somehow exclusive to each other. As somehow becoming mighty in the Scriptures or pursuing understanding, which can be linked to the intellect as well as to intimacy and should be both that somehow we're going to undermine or keep ourselves from more dramatic encounters with the Holy Spirit when really He's the very one. To have revelation is an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Do you, do you know that? He, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The spirit of revelation. Opening our eyes, enlightening our hearts, right? Now, I was delivered by a demonic oppression through an encounter with the living God. Someone prayed for me and he plunged into my room. Yes, he indwells me, but he's also bigger than me and independent of me whilst he indwells me. He's the God in me and the God all around and the God who can personally show up even though he indwells me. I, I pray we, understand, we, we know that, we've, we've experienced that. I love those dynamics. I love how I can hold them. They can make sense in my heart even though they don't always make sense in my head. But I was delivered and I encountered the truth. You can encounter truth. And what happened was I had a revelation. What, who I was was even revealed through an encounter. I didn't have the words for it. I didn't understand exactly what that meant. But I tasted and saw that he is good and he's my redeemer and he's the one who loves me and will deliver me and keep me. When before I didn't know that, but now I knew it experientially. What happened though is I, I developed this hunger for the scriptures because I realized if an encounter can bring me in, then an opposing encounter might send me out. Does that make sense? If you can't anchor what you experience to something that's immovable, you will be moved. So our job is when we have dynamic encounters is to seek to anchor them. It's to seek to create an anchor that happens through intimacy and through the scriptures that then keeps us. And I'm convinced I wouldn't still be walking in freedom from the things I was delivered of if I hadn't have pursued a, a biblical understanding of who I was and who God was. And why did he do that? Why did he come in my room and deliver me like that? What, am I, what do I mean to him that I didn't realize before? Does that make sense? So an encounter can absolutely change your life. And I, so I don't want you to hear me undermining that in any way. But I, I believe that our anchor, our consistency comes from actually balancing in our hearts in a realm of intimacy with God, 
holding our intellect before him and asking him to enlighten us and anchor us into something that will keep us stable. You with me so far? Okay. You guys are a bit quiet. The Bible does not say that God works in mysterious ways. I grew up thinking it did. That one misunderstanding kept me believing God was a mystery, the God I was supposed to intimately know. Am I the only one that actually thought that was a verse, God works in mysterious ways? Who else did? Oh, look at that. See how much we can be blinded by tradition and catchphrases. Who, who would acknowledge that that caused some damage possibly, that one misunderstanding in the way you approach God or, or situations? Gosh, so many of us. One little catchphrase that sounds nice but destroys something that Jesus died on a cross for. This stuff matters. Some of our buzzwords matter if they're not in line with, with, with the real revelation. And we're in a season, and, and I might even say a, a generation that's being tempted to mishandle the Word of God and the Scriptures and approach it with a particular arrogance that, that they believe they can create the meaning of this book and, and fit it into what they feel it should mean rather than submit their hearts to it and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal truth to them. We don't get to create the meaning. We have to discover it. We discover it by the one who wants to lead us into it, which is the Holy Spirit. But there, there, I, I promise you, there is an attack on this. Like the, the idea, the postmodern philosophy, it's not new just because it's postmodern. It's been around many, many decades now that truth is relative. Gosh, if that creeps into your philosophy as a Christian, it will damage the way you approach the Scriptures. You'll start to say, well, this is my experience of God or Jesus. What's your experience? And now you weigh up and compare experiences and come out with what you call a theology, but it's not. It's a philosophy that's built upon experience and not anchored in anything scriptural. And if you believe you can create the meaning, then you'll have an experience and then go and create an explanation for the experience instead of search for a real, authentic, accurate understanding. Does that make sense? Has anyone ever felt victim of that or, or actually come under that before? I know, I know I have. Would you raise your hand if you have? Quite a few of us. It's, it is an, it's an attack. I'm not, you, know, you guys know me. I'm not demon behind every bush, but there is a demon behind that bush. I mean it. Man, when we get this, when we pursue understanding like treasure, like silver, when we pursue wisdom through, through the right posture of our hearts, I believe we can live profoundly consistently. And then we can have encounter after encounter after encounter with our God who loves to do that, but we've built an anchor of stability. We know how to filter. We know how to submit things and encounters. We know how to weigh sensual things, sensual things of the senses. We know how to weigh them and anchor them and submit them and, and, and increase in understanding. Does that make sense? Also, I've got a few verses for you guys. Hosea 4 verse 6. And I'm sure many of you heard this quoted. It says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. 
Then it says this, because you have rejected knowledge, and I think sometimes we miss that little tag on the back there. So my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, but then it says, but you have rejected knowledge, implying it was available, but you rejected it. So what were they valuing that caused them not to reach for understanding or knowledge? Are you with me? What was the result? My people are uncomfortable. My people are a little confused. My people are slightly misguided. Correct. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. This doesn't say my people are destroyed because the devil is just that powerful. We can't quite sort him out. My people are destroyed because they don't have enough grace and I haven't given them all things for life and godliness. My people are destroyed because they're still walking around with a sinful nature even though Jesus died on the cross. Some of the things we attribute to our up and down kind of Christian experience being drawn back to understanding or lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because they haven't quite encountered me enough. You see where I'm going? Again, please don't hear me devaluing any of that at all. But we have to learn to pursue and value understanding. I think one of the reasons we've not valued it as much is because we live in an intellectual world. Many of us did university and we've done degrees. And, and the way that our academic world structured largely is that you learn, 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 learn. And then you're graded on regurgitate, 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 regurgitate. You show your worth of getting a particular grade by your ability to recite rather than act upon. And then we, we, we're, we're, we're taught that from a young age. Right, and when then we and we go through university, and we're judged by that as well. And it's only after three, four, five years we begin to be then expected to take this world of information and somehow try to apply it in our day-to-day lives. And that transition's not always not always done well. But then, if we're not careful, we approach the scriptures like that. And we're like, I'll learn, I'll learn, I'll learn, I'll learn, and it, and once I'm completely confident, then I'll try a word of knowledge. Then I'll pray for my neighbor. Then I'll step out. Then I'll start praying more. Then I'll start engaging God more. And that can get into our cycle. We, we, that's why sometimes we engage seminary. We engage Bible college. And sometimes that's entirely healthy. And I, I, those places exist for a reason, I promise. But sometimes what we're looking for isn't in those places. And it's far more accessible because of the way God designed understanding. Does that make sense? Every Christian is capable of intimacy with God. The Bible says that it's in Christ that is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm trying to, I'm trying to bridge the gap here of intimacy and intellectual understanding. Right? In Christ is hidden how many? all the treasures of wisdom and understanding. It's in a person. It's not in a textbook. That's incredible. What we're built for is an anchor of intimacy, right? That's our place. It's in Christ. And when we get that, if we set our values on the right thing, then He begins to lead us into all truth. And that entirely involves our intellect. He begins to bring revelation, knowledge, understanding. 
the way, one way I see it is that the world is black and white. And it's the Holy Spirit that fills it with color for you. Like Revelation, you, you can see so many things. You can, I mean, you've got some profound people that study the world and, and are obsessed with creation and they're extremely intelligent people, but they're seeing in black and white because they haven't had revelation by the Holy Spirit. So some of their conclusions can be accurate, but the foundation's not there. So they're seeing in black and white. There's a realm of understanding that's otherworldly and it's tied to intimacy. You with me? But if we live in, in a place where we're um, being driven by our own experiences and then trying to find answers uh, on this level without taking them to the Holy Spirit, without engaging them in intimacy, we end up with a lower form of understanding that doesn't set us free. You guys all right? Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to continue to say the same thing in different ways a few more times. John 8, 32. I say this a lot too, but it says, if you continue in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Again, this doesn't say the truth will set you free. It says knowing the truth will set you free. That's different. There is a difference. It is knowing the truth. There's a revelation Holy Spirit wants to give us. He wants that for every individual. No one else can be our anchor. You know, a couple of months after I was delivered of panic attacks and anxiety, I had a spirit of fear come in my room one night when I was at work, and I felt that same old familiar feeling of, oh my gosh, like heart beginning to race. If you've ever had panic attacks or anxiety, I pray you're walking in freedom from it. Now, we can, we can absolutely pray for that, but you'll know what I'm talking about and how absolutely difficult that is. You wouldn't wish it upon anyone. And my mind started to race because it's been a couple of months of freedom now. And I tried, I, I remember trying to bank back on my experience, the experience I had where I was delivered. And I couldn't bank on it because I was having an opposing experience. This was my reaction. It's like, well, no, God set me free. I'm trying to anchor back in to what I felt of freedom through an encounter but the anchor wasn't stabilizing me because the, the, the opposing encounter was just as real to my experience. And then I remember having this moment of like, hold on, no, 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 no. I've, I've been reading in my Bible that this can't touch me. He hasn't given me a spirit of fear that, that I can put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And these truths that I've been learning that might not seem all that relevant when you're not having a panic attack, but suddenly are really relevant. I, 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 tried, I moved my anchor, and in prayer, I was like, hold on, God, you didn't give me a spirit of fear. I don't think this is inside me. I don't think this is me. I think this is a spirit. And began to get revelation that I could anchor into. And when that hit me, when that hit me, and I started just to, to, to talk to him about, hold on, I've been reading this. This can't be me. This isn't me. You set me free from this. That's when it went, because it was a spirit. And I tell you, man, when that happens, because, you know, the encounter I had in my room, someone prayed for me. But when I can anchor my heart in truth, when there's an experience coming against me and see the result of actual manifest change because of the, what, I, what I'd found to be true, man, I, I, I have not been able to be moved from that place now. Because that was a revelation I had sought 
on a personal level in the Scriptures with the Holy Spirit. You with me? And I've asked this, I think I asked this recently, but who's ever experienced that when you've actually had something opposing you and you've just like, even if feeling unstable, you just stand on truth in that moment and you feel a change? Look how many hands are up. Because the, the gospel works and it's true. And how many of you felt so, so empowered and free when you felt that shift? It's like, oh, God's real. Everything in the Bible's real. Oh my gosh. What the heck? And any smidgen of doubt or like, man, it's like, whoa, everything in here is true. And I can anchor my experience in it. And I can live consistently in it with revelation knowledge. It's good to pursue understanding. Paul prayed for this. He prayed this to people who were righteous, people who were new creations. He says in Colossians 1 verse 9 and 10, from the day we heard... We have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. You see, Paul values that for them. Why does he want them to have spiritual wisdom and understanding? So as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. See how understanding is leaked to the way we walk? You can see that? Fully pleasing him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Can you see how deeply he values that for this community he's writing to? Ephesians 1, 16 to 18. You can write these down if you're taking notes. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you and what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Does he want you to have wisdom and revelation so you can get your inheritance? Or so you know your inheritance? Has it already been given? Wow, how's that? That's actually really special. Your ability to understand something doesn't cause it to exist. That, I, I, I don't think that should be an epiphany, but when it is an epiphany, it shows that we're trying to create meaning through what we experience. Your, your understanding of something doesn't create it. So we can be in a church that believes we've been made righteous, and if that's true scripturally, then we can experience our righteousness. If we don't experience it, we're missing the whole point anyway. It's for a change of experience, not a change of language, culture, buzzwords. It's for a changed experience, right? But there's a church down the road that might be wholeheartedly committed to the doctrine of sinner saved by grace, right? If they've put their faith in Jesus, they're no less righteous than you or I. Because you can't create it by understanding it. You can, however, more consistently experience what's true by understanding it. Your experience doesn't create it. Is this all right? Are you guys okay? You, you, you're catching what I'm trying to get across, hey? Awesome. Man, we have to be careful with that or we become arrogant with our doctrine as though somehow it changes who we are as opposed to others. When everyone's the same, you came to make the high places low, the low places high, as straight as the way. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female. Christ is all and in all. It doesn't say if they've understood this or if they've got this doctrine. No, 
Faith in Christ creates a new creation by His Spirit through regeneration. There's no degree of doctrine you have to slip into to have access to that. It's given freely. Gosh, well, we'd all be struggling, to be honest. You with me? Proverbs 4, 7 says, The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. I love that. And whatever you get, get understanding. That's the wisest man that ever lived. So it's good to listen to him. Proverbs 2, 1 to 5 says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding. If you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and you will find the knowledge of God. Man, can you catch the craving this person had, this, this, this value for understanding, for wisdom? It's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. Philippians 1 verse 9. It is my prayer that your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment. Our love abounding more and more with what? Understanding, knowledge, and discernment. You can see the link of this, the link to love, the link to living godly. Philemon 1 verse 6. I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. Is it that you, I pray that you may get all the things you need or I pray that you may understand what you've already got? You see the difference? Isn't it funny how we can sometimes be reaching, reaching, reaching for things we perceive we don't have because we're living by experience instead of understanding and then acting upon by faith what he, what he claims we've already been given. You with me? Awesome. I've said this many times, but if you don't see freedom in your life, the purity of your perspective should be questioned, not the purity of your nature. If you don't see freedom in your life, then the purity of your perspective should be questioned, not the purity of your nature. If it's knowing the truth that sets you free, then it's our perspective that needs to change. It's our mind that needs to be renewed. We need to go from black and white to color by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. You with me? Awesome. And that is very much an intimacy-based thing. You know, the Greek word... One of the Greek words for know is the word gnosko. Probably not pronouncing that right. But what it, what it carries is this essence of an experiential understanding. It's an experiential understanding. I, I really, really value apologetics. Uh, in fact, next year I'm organizing for a guy named Dan Patterson to come in and do an intensive with us at the academy. He works with Ravi Zacharias. Uh, Ravi has just over 90 ministers in his apologists, in his ministry. And one lives in Brisbane. He's an amazing guy. A few of you guys know him. Um, he's going to come into a whole, a whole session with us. And I watched an interview with Ravi Zacharias a couple of days ago on the show, the Dave Rubin show, if anyone's heard of him. He, he is not a believer, but this, this man has, has given his life to communicating God to a godless people in a way that's received and valued and honored and, 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 then, and then actually 
wrestled with. It's profound. I just so honor what this man's done with his life. It's, it's, it's what an evangelist does in that world when they're called to that. Um, so I highly value that. Um, I think there's a reality that, and sometimes in our world, man, I shouldn't say our world, because we're all so different, but I've noticed in some atmospheres a devaluing of that approach to sharing your faith. And man, all we need to do is just raise the dead in front of this university full of atheists, and that'll... Man, then they'll believe. Forget the arguing. And I get that, but, but when you look at the 10 lepers that were healed, only one came back to be saved. That was a miracle, I believe, to have leprosy drop off your body and be entirely cleansed. The miracle isn't a sure thing. There's like the Apostle Paul, would he demonstrate the power of God everywhere he went? You bet. He didn't believe he'd fully preached the gospel unless he had demonstrated it. In his, in his mind, to fully preach was to demonstrate. However, he was extremely engaged with his intellect. He would find a pagan idol that he could reference Christ in, and he'd walk into their pagan temples and preach Christ to them through a statue he saw, the God with no name. He's like, I'll tell you who that God is. That's Jesus Christ, the Messiah. He'd find anything. He was intellectual. He'd approach the culture. He would make a defense of the faith and then raise the dead. Cleanse the lepers, heal the sick, cast out demons. But if we could see a blend of that, imagine, imagine. Oh my gosh. We need to see an, an, an understanding that's anchored in intimacy. So we're not puffed up by it. Are you with me? Like it, the Bible says, and Adam knew Eve and they gave birth. Adam knew Eve. The word is know, to know. It, the word to know something, or when you know something, it's, it's replied as intimate understanding of experiential understanding. When it comes to the gospel, we're called to experientially have revelation. So on one level, yes, you can understand something cognitively, but I believe biblically, when you've hit true understandings, when you've implemented what you've learned, because then it becomes experiential understanding. Does that make sense? Awesome. To summarize that, Christian knowledge should be inseparable from the person in whom it is found. Christian knowledge should be inseparable from the person in whom it is found. If you can keep that in mind, then we can actually pursue understanding with the Holy Spirit in a context of intimacy. I've got one more quote for you. We cannot remove theology from its intended environment of intimacy. We cannot remove theology from its intended environment of intimacy. Okay, I want to do a quick illustration here. Um, oh, it's, we're getting late. I had a few things. I had an awesome testimony, but it's too long to do it justice. So I'm going to do an illustration, and then we're going to transition. Christine... I'm going to paint a picture for you. So Christine, why don't you stand up, my love? Christine has a friend. You can come over here. Christine has a friend, and she knows this friend's really um, walking through some tough things and needs some help. And Christine knows that she can help this friend. And one of the big reasons is its finances. And so 
She calls this friend and says, hey, let's have a coffee. I feel like I can help you. I feel like I've got answers for you, for the situations you're going through. So Christine gets some money that she wants to bless this person with. And then she, she meets her friend at a cafe. So who's your friend, darling? It's hypothetical. This is hypothetical. So the person she's going to call out isn't necessarily dealing with that. All right? <laughs> All right. So who's the person? Larissa? Where's Larissa? Larissa, are you over there? Oh, hello. Why don't you come out? Can we give her a hand? This is Larissa. Hypothetically, Larissa's walking through some tough things. She's struggling financially. It's been a crazy few weeks. Christine's like, I have an answer for you. I've got things I can give you that would help you. So they meet to have a coffee. They enjoy their coffee. And then on their way out, Christine takes $50 out of her pocket and slips it into Larissa's shorts. But what's happening is Larissa, because she was being generous, was paying for the coffee that they just had while Christine slipped it in her pocket, right? And then they hug and they go their separate ways because they've finished meeting. Would you like to hug or should we do that hypothetically? And then they hugged. And then Larissa went and sat down and moved on and Christine did too. Now, who does that $50 belong to right now? Larissa. Okay, so Larissa goes about her business. Now, she's a little confused because she's like, man, I thought if I met with this friend, they were going to help me. But she's a little confused because she's been promised something but doesn't feel as though she's got what was promised, right? She's like, oh, I thought she was maybe going to give me some money or something like that. So she's confused. Now, she goes about her business and she gets changed, she moves on, she puts a different outfit on. Like, actually, that $50 is sitting in Larissa's pocket, but she hasn't found it yet. So question, how beneficial is that $50 to her right now? Not in any way? Okay, that's interesting. So she puts her shorts through the wash, they come out. Somehow, the $50 manages to stay in there. She goes out for lunch with her friends. Now remember, she's not doing great financially. So she orders a meal on the way there. She's like, gee, I hope someone offers to pay for me or I'll just have to get some avocado on toast for $4 or some sourdough with butter and jam for $3 or something off the kid's menu and I'll explain that I have a kid, whatever. I've <laughs> never done that. And then they, so she's living like what? Someone with a problem, someone who doesn't have access to resource, someone who is broke, someone who's struggling financially. She happens to be wearing those shorts again. And then she has a little scrounge over the bill because she's struggling to pay it. She's feeling stressed about it. She goes home. Finally, a week later, Larissa puts on the shorts again, reaches into her pocket, and what does she pull out? $50. Okay, so now it's now been four weeks since she was given that $50. Has she benefited from it at all? Not at all. Is she still feeling discouraged? Is she still walking through what she perceives to be a lack of finances? What needed to change? Does she need to get the money or discover it? This is huge. Like what is living inside of us right now? Right now. 
Are we pursuing understanding? And when we get it, what are we doing with it? So Larissa will spend it wisely to the degree she values it, right? But now she can at least use it because she understands what's there. Correct? Awesome. You can't utilize what you don't know is there. So now she can. One more scenario. So let's just paint a different picture. Christine wants to give Larissa this $50, right? So she does the same thing. Puts it in her pocket at the cafe. But now Larissa is like, gee, I thought Christine was going to give me some money. I know what I'll do. I'll just serve her. I'll mow her lawns for her. I'll do her dishes for her. I'll send flowers to her work. I'll, I'll do the things I think she loves, and then she'll give me what I'm looking for. So what's she doing? Firstly, is that authentic love? No. When it comes to the love of God, it's a response to something given. If love doesn't seek its own, then if you're loving to get something, it's not love, right? I think God, knowing this, gave us everything so we could love him with a pure heart, so we could respond with love, reciprocate the love already given. But now she's working, working, working for something already freely given. And eventually, how's she going to feel about Christine? Well, she's busting her chops, mowing the lawns, sweating. She's like, gee, it's been a month. She still hasn't given me that thing that I felt like she said she wanted to give me. You start to get jaded. You start to question Christine's character, her desire. You start to question her trustworthiness and faithfulness. You start to wonder, why isn't she showing up? You get it? All the while, it says, I pray that you would have wisdom and revelation and know the inheritance in the saints, what's already been given. I pray that the sharing of your faith will be effective by the knowledge of every good thing in you in Christ Jesus. And it's all there. But we're letting our experience of not having it reinforce an idea that God hasn't given it. So we can even be reluctant to submit our experience to these statements like you've been given all things for life and godliness in Him. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, fully accepted in the Beloved. Like, epic. I wish I could just see the fullness of what He sees when He looks at every one of us and what it must look like to Him or to the enemy when they see what God sees about us, but then see us the way we act. You with me? Gosh, in all our getting, let's get understanding. I really believe that um, our faith is limited to what we understand. I was a Christian for six years before I ever prayed for a sick person with an expectation they'd be healed. Six whole years of my life interacting with people who were sick or struggling. And I might pray something for them as a gesture, but never faith, never expectation, right? Why? Because my understanding was confused. I, I didn't understand God. I didn't understand his desire, his will that the sick would be healed. And then I, I began to, actually Christine and I, 
became aware of the miraculous and we, we thought, wait, if we can get understanding of this, if we could get our own personal understanding, we could walk in the miraculous. I was reading book after book after book, like God's generals and just getting so hungry for it. So we went on a holiday to North Queensland and we watched the Curry Blake like DHT school, I think it's called. It's like 18 sessions. So we watched a session every day and then we'd open our Bibles and we'd go through the verses and like, oh my gosh, Isaiah 53, he actually bore our sickness and our disease. He, Whoa, this is all in the Bible. By his stripes we're healed. It's actually his will to heal. And then we, we purposed that every day we would try to step out and pray for someone. So suddenly we're growing in understanding. We're trying to step out in it and then our faith would actually connect with what we're growing understanding and would see miracles start to happen. But your faith is meeting your expectation. You know, Hebrews 11, faith is the evidence of things what? Hoped for. A form of the word hope is expectation. Faith is the evidence of things expected. You with me? So we need to reset. We need to reset some of these things because some of us are tired or disenchanted with pursuing understanding of truth because maybe we've approached it in a, in a slightly odd way or, or a way that our society sometimes can. We don't expect change in our lives. Has anyone ever had that? I know I have. But I'm just theology, 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 theology. But I'm approaching it with this way of intellect that's dislodged from real communion with God. And it's from that place of communion that I feel stirred to act upon what I'm even learning. But if I'm not, if I'm not engaging Him... In real revelation, it's just, it's my intellect's been, been massaged, but it's not going anywhere. It's not, it's not expressing anything of God. It ultimately becomes really disheartening. Has anyone ever been there with theology? A few of us. Gosh, I was just round and round in circles until this hit me. Oh my gosh, the, 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 the intended environment for me to learn and understand is intimacy with my father. I don't have to reach for a particular thing before I can experience that and now I can pursue understanding from a place of sonship. You with me? Awesome. Praise God. Hey, I'm going to ask our service team to hand out communion, if you will. Because we're going to take communion together. We had quite a bit to get through tonight, so we've run a little bit late. Um, my heart, I would have loved to have done a bit of ministry time tonight, but we're going to jump to communion to honor everyone's time. Um, so we'll hand those out. I'll save my testimony for another day because I, I do want to share it at some point. It's a testimony that's amazing, gives glory to God, but also is a perfect example of when we don't understand accurately. But here's a question, just while they're handing that out. I'd love to take a moment to invite everyone to ask yourselves, to have, a, have a, just a brief conversation with God, even now in this environment, where you ask the question, have I grown tired of pursuing understanding? Or have I, have I not valued pursuing understanding? Just, just try not to be distracted as they hand this out. Just, just ask yourself that question. Have I grown tired or have I lost value in pursuing revelation, understanding? I believe right now the Holy Spirit wants to show you why you might have done that. There, there can be a range of reasons and he knows it. It can be the belief that you just 
can't have it. You don't know how to get it. You don't, you can't understand enough. No, everyone can because his spirit enables every single person to. And he actually, I see him exposing lies right now across the room. If any, if we've, if we've lost the fire, the passion, the desire to understand, to have knowledge of God, that would become an anchor in our momentum driven culture, which is a glorious thing, but he wants to anchor individuals in understanding. The second question is, is there something that you've understood already that you have yet to act upon? Is there something you've understood of God that you know, oh, that was a revelation, that was one of those light bulb moments moments for me? But then you, you, for whatever reason, you didn't act upon it. You didn't implement it. You didn't behave as though you believed it was real or true. I feel, I feel a grace again for God to, to, to bring to remembrance, he says, these things right now. The revelation you've had, things he's shown you. And there's a grace to, to um, re-approach implementing that in your life. I really, I actually felt that, that he would do that in this space even now as you, if you will lean into this moment and ask him, what are those things I have understood but, but just backed away from implementing and acting upon? Because I think there's a grace to just do an about turn with that. And I, I think I, I actually felt him say that there's people who have found themselves really, really tangled up in, in some of their experience and it's actually just one thing you didn't step into. Just one thing, because it led to another thing and another thing and another thing. But even now, he's bringing to remembrance something he gave you, a gem, a pearl of great price, a truth, a revelation. And there is a grace, that, which is the empowerment of God, the divine influence upon the heart with its expression in the life to implement that revelation. And it will change things and it will unhinge things. And we can walk forward the way our hearts long to. So if you'll lean into this, he'll show you these things. He'll show you these moments, these revelations, these things he, he gave you. And he'll show you why, if you're experiencing a, a low value for it, why that might be. And I really believe tonight, my prayer is every one of us will leave with a greater value to pursue understanding like silver and like gold and to pursue wisdom and to lock into it in a place of real intimacy together. So I'm just going to pray. Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord, would you teach us, just as the wisest man in the world ever wrote, would you teach us to cry out for understanding? Would you teach us again the deep value, Lord, to have revelation and wisdom in the knowledge of you? Would you help us, Lord, help us in, in the midst of a culture that doesn't value intimacy with you, Lord, that, that we would not get trapped in an independent intellectual way of knowledge, but you would anchor us in intimacy, Lord, and then draw us to your scriptures for real revelation knowledge. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're ministering to individuals right now. Oh, man, he's removing discouragement, that paradigm, that the reason you haven't experienced something is because you don't have it yet. He's actually just clearing the air on that lie. It's, you're in a discovery of what you've already become. 
your inner discovery of what you've already become. And he is reinvigorating excitement in the scriptures, excitement in his presence, expectation for understanding and wisdom on a personal level. And I prophesy that we will be one of the most consistent, consistent communities in our nation. We will be known for just dedication, integrity, consistency in the ways and the will of God. We'll be known for wisdom. We'll be known for revelation as, a, as an entire unit, an entire community that know the ways of our God because we've sought revelation and wisdom. And if we could stand, I'd love to just lead us in communion. And then we're going to, because we ran out of time tonight, I would love our communion group leaders to um, help us we would love to pray for you if you, thanks, Mandy, if you, if you came and you need a miracle tonight, we would love to pray with you. So we want to ask um, our communion group leaders, if you don't mind, just to come up. Um, and if you do need prayer, please come and see one of them. We'd love to pray for you tonight. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, as we eat of the bread tonight and drink of the cup, we thank you that it's all the treasures of wisdom and revelation hidden inside you, Christ. And your body was broken and your blood spilled to bring us home, to bring us back into union with you. So Lord, we turn our hearts towards you now in this moment. We thank you, Lord, for wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. We ask that even now as we take communion, we would have a deeper sense of understanding, a deeper, more experiential understanding of what this means, God. That you're putting color in our world. You're putting color in our understanding tonight, Holy Spirit. As we take this, this bread, even if we have injuries, if we have sickness in our body, just as Catherine instructs us, we just see it imposed upon the cross. We see that sickness imposed upon your body as it's broken. And in your own time, just, just eat that and just receive that. So Thank you for joining us. If you would like to partner with us in spreading the gospel to the nations, you can do so via our website, www.glorycitychurch.com.au. We would love to hear from you. If you have a prayer need, please send us an email at info at glorycitychurch.com.au. We would also love to hear your testimonies. You can email these praise reports to info at glorycitychurch.com.au. God bless.